Once upon a time, there was a rancher who found some strange objects out in his field. It was reported that he found the remains of a flying saucer that had crashed. Years later, a man claimed to have actual footage of an autopsy of one of the creatures found at that site. It became a worldwide phenomenon. Ten years later, however, he claimed he had lied. Yet it wasn't a hoax. Today I have the story of the 1995 film Alien Autopsy on the 188th episode of Coffee with Jeff. It's Sunday, it's time for coffee, and I am Jeff Kelly, your host and storyteller. So, how is everybody doing this morning? Hey, it's wintertime here in Chicagoland. We just had our first snow, and I've got to go out later today and rake leaves. Anyway, how have you all been? I know, it's been more than a month since my last podcast, and I apologize. I just found myself really, 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 really busy. You see, first I was making two short films for Halloween, something I do every year. I wrote and directed one, and my friend Dave wrote and directed the other, but I shot and edited both films, and that was very time-consuming. And that's been going on for about a month. And at the same time, I was hit with a few big projects for work that took a lot of my personal time as well. So originally my plan was, well, if I don't have time, I'll just post an old show with a new intro, but then time got away from me and next thing I know it's Sunday morning and I haven't done anything yet and I said well I'll do one in two weeks and two weeks came up and I was still busy so I missed that one as well but now I'm back so everything's good but there will be a major announcement about Coffee with Jeff on my next podcast things are going to change but I don't want to get into it right now I'll have more on that later So now today's story is about the alien autopsy film from the 90s. I don't know if you younger kids remember that, but it was a big deal. Now I used a couple other podcasts that had interviews with some of the the people involved as a source, and I'm going to have those links in my show notes. These podcasts, there's a couple that are an hour long, one that's two hours long. They're pretty lengthy interviews, and they go into a lot more detail than I'll give you today. But, uh... Anyway, this is the gist of the story. So here's the story of a film of an alien being dissected that many people did and still think is real. If what you are about to see is real, it's the most startling film footage in history. Although we remain skeptical, some experts believe this is authentic footage of an alien life form. Real or not, we must warn you. This appears to be an actual autopsy. And some of the footage you will see in the next hour is very gruesome. Stay with us as we put the question to you. Alien autopsy, fact or fiction? Okay, the story goes like this. On a warm summer morning back in July of 1947, about 75 miles out of Roswell, New Mexico, a rancher found some mysterious metal sticks held together with tape, bits of plastic and foil reflectors, and heavy paper-like material. This was the beginning of what is now known today as the Roswell UFO Incident. 
Many people, even today, still believe that something crashed, something not of this earth, and that the United States government has the bodies of those visitors as well as their ship. They are secretly being kept in a facility known as Area 51. Now, the subject of this podcast is not to prove or disprove the existence of visitors from space or secret government conspiracies. If you believe that, fine. I know I can't change your mind. I've talked about this in previous shows, and I think you know where I stand. For the record, I don't believe there are guests from beyond our solar system visiting this planet. Today's story happened 48 years after the so-called crash. On August 28, 1995, the Fox Network aired a television show called Alien Autopsy Fact or Fiction. The program was hosted by Star Trek The Next Generation's Jonathan Franks. The highlight of this program was a 17-minute black-and-white film. The audience was led to believe that this was a record of a secret medical examination or autopsy of an alien conducted by the United States military. It was allegedly the authentic autopsy of a body recovered from the 1947 crash. The film was brought to the world's attention by Ray Santilli and Gary Schofield. Santilli is a British musician, record and film producer, and Schofield is a television and film producer as well as an entertainment entrepreneur specializing in rights acquisitions. According to Santilli, it goes like this. He was visiting the U.S. from England to buy films of Elvis Presley and other early rock and roll stars. He was in Cleveland, Ohio in 1942 when he was approached by a retired military cameraman who said he had some footage that Santilli might want to see. It was film that he had kept secret for 40 years. Santilli traveled to Florida to see the 22 reels of mysterious film the cameraman was looking to sell. These tiny reels contained about 4 or 5 minutes of video each. Santilli was amazed by not only the dissection of an alien from 1947, but also footage of the debris found at the crash site. Santilli knew he had to have this film, and he spent the next couple of years trying to raise the money to purchase the amazing footage. The name of the man who sold the film to Santilli has never been revealed. According to Santilli, this was due to a promise he had made. And this was the perfect time for a film such as this a show in which the skeptical Dana Scully is almost always proven wrong by the open-minded Fox Mulder, the believer in all things mysterious, was on the air and getting great ratings. And conspiracy theories were at an all-time high. And it was also at a time in which the Oklahoma City bombing and the Unabomber Manifesto had been the main topics of the news, so many Americans needed something else to talk about other than tragedy. Santilli and his partner Schofeld took the film around to a number of tabloid newspapers. The best deal Santilli received was from the News of the World, which offered them an appealing 50,000 pounds. It seemed the deal was all set until the paper's editor wanted the film to be verified before publication. Once it was verified and published, Santilli would get his money. According to Ray Devine, a feature editor on News of the World at the time, Santilli began to get nervous. Suddenly, he decided to market the film himself. The film was first shown at the Museum of London on May 5, 1995, for about 100 people. Invited into the screening room were hand-picked journalists, UFOologists, church leaders, believers, and non-believers. Allegedly, before entering the theater, 
each audience member was searched to make sure they were not bringing in any cameras or recording equipment. According to people at the event, the watchers looked down in shocked silence as the film played. Now, for those who have never seen the film, it's grainy, black and white, shot with a handheld camera. Two humans dressed in medical suits, with every bit of their bodies covered, including their faces, dig into a very non-human alien body with surgical tools. The creature in the video looks very much like what one would think about when they imagine an alien, except it had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. In the background is a viewing window, and a man with a surgical mask can be seen looking on, taking notes, and watching. There is a nurse that can be seen from time to time, and the picture goes in and out of focus, and the lighting is horrendous. Once the film was over, many in the audience wanted to ask questions, but before they could, two men came in, maybe the same man who searched the people on their way in, and hurried both Santilli and Schofield away. Were these men trying to prevent Santilli and Schofield from talking, or was this a staged action to increase publicity? Within weeks, the film was being shown all over the world. The Fox Network in the USA turned the film into a one-hour special. It's been shown a few times, but at one showing, it attracted 11.7 million viewers. And to be honest, I was one of those people. Everyone wanted to know, was this film fact or fiction? Richard Cortless of Time Magazine noted, Amateur UFOologists studied the footage with an intensity not lavished on any home movie since the Sapruder film. The special begins with a 10-minute story of the crash in Roswell, one that pretends to be skeptical but really isn't. Then there's an interview with Santilli, a search for the man who sold the film to him, commentary by Jonathan Franks, and then opinions from experts as the film is shown, like a man from Kodak, special effects people, army photographers, pathologists, and others. And the show winds up talking about the huge government cover-up of what happened back in 1947. So, as soon as the special aired, many began asking, was the footage real or was it faked? Personally, I don't remember what I thought, but I really hope I thought it was fake. Anyway, it seemed that every talk show and news broadcast was asking, actual autopsy or hoax? It seemed it was the talk of the world. Now, I don't want to spoil it for anybody out there, but it was a fake. Not a hoax, but still a fake. How do I know this? Because both Santilli and Schofield said so. But before we get into that, there are a few things I want to look at. Like I said, these shows are designed for maximum impact. The director of some of the footage of the Fox special, including the Santilli interview, was John Hobson. He would say that both him and the producer were suspicious and believed the whole thing was a fraud. In a letter he wrote, Hobson stated that, when interviewing Santilli, as I've said repeatedly and loudly, my immediate response upon meeting Santilli was, he's a fraud. I had gone into the project with an open mind. I thought the footage was suspect, but more because I'm a skeptic than anything in the footage. I think the footage left everyone, even the most skeptical, with a wow, what if feeling upon first viewing. I had only seen the footage twice before leaving for London, and at that time no experts had yet screened it. But Santilli's evasiveness and shady demeanor were just too much. Bear in mind that this was in the early days. He had only done that London grand unveiling thus far, and at this point he was an unknown entity. 
But apparently the producers of the special ignored what Hobson had to say, and Hobson later wrote, It was made clear to me that if the footage was exposed as a hoax before the show aired, the ratings would suffer. Hollywood special effects expert Stan Winston and UFO author and investigator Kevin D. Randall were interviewed in the special and both later claimed that they clearly stated in their interviews that they believed the footage was a hoax, but their statements were not used. When asked in a Time magazine interview in 1995 if he thought the alien autopsy was a hoax, Stan Winston replied, Do I think it's a hoax? Absolutely. So like I said, Santilli and Schofield admitted that they made this footage. But why? Well, in 2006, a comedy film was made called, you guessed it, Alien Autopsy. It was a comic retelling of the story of Santilli, Schofield, and the famous film. And do you know who were two producers of this film? Yep, Santilli and Schofield. In a British Sky 3 special from 2006 called Amon Investigates the Alien Autopsy, Eamon Holmes gets the two to admit what they did. Apparently, the story of Santilli meeting with a retired military photographer and seeing the footage was true. This according to Santilli. But it took him a few years to get the money to purchase the 22 cans of film containing the autopsy. Once purchased, he found the film had deteriorated beyond the point of watchability. Let's think about that for a moment. The film existed since 1947. For some unknown reason, it wasn't locked away with the other so-called evidence of the Roswell crash. Santilli saw this film in 1992. He was able to watch it then, 45 years after it was shot. But now, about two years later, it became unwatchable, crumbling in his hands. Okay, fine. I guess so. But let's get back to Santilli's story. He says they didn't fake the footage, they restored it. They reshot what he had seen back in 1992 with actors and a fake body, but it wasn't a fake, they insist. It was a restoration. Now let's think about that. Let's say you're walking through a field and you see an old car, let's say a Ford Model T from 1922. It's old, rusting, falling apart. It crumbles when you touch it. The windows are smashed and the tires are rotten. So you construct a new one. You have a new body constructed. A machine shop makes you an engine. You get fenders, seats, tires, wheels, windows, everything. All new. You put all these parts together. The rusty car is still sitting in a field somewhere. Did you restore the original car? Or did you just build a new one that looks like the old one? Santilli and Schofield claim, even though they made a whole new film, it was a restoration. In my opinion, when you tell the world in 1995 that you have authentic footage shot in 1947 of an alien autopsy, then years later tell the world that you shot the film with actors in an apartment, well, you're a liar and you've lost all credibility. And on top of that, you're trying to promote a film that you are a producer of. Can we believe anything you say now? Schofield said, Something like this comes across once in a lifetime, and I think we had a responsibility to take this message and what we've seen and deliver it to the public the best way we could. So to him and Santilli, this meant recreating the footage and lie to everyone. 
One might think that maybe you could have made your little film and showed it saying, look, we have an original, but we can't watch it. We recreated it to show you what we remember it to look like. But here's a few frames of the original to prove that we are telling the truth. But of course, where's the profit in that? So in London, in a small flat, they converted a living room into a set for the autopsy. John Humphreys, an artist and sculptor, was employed to construct two dummy alien bodies over a period of three weeks using casts containing sheep's brains set in raspberry jam, chicken entrails, knuckle joints from a pig, all obtained from C.S. Crosby Wholesale Butchery Smithfield Meat Market in London. Now, apparently they had to shoot it twice as the first one looked too fake or something, but the second time they got it right. Now, to be fair, during the show Amon Investigates, Santilli does produce a few frames of the actual 1947 film during the interview. But as far as I can tell, he has never allowed these to be examined by experts to see if they were actually from 1947. He also states that some of the original footage was used during the fake or restored footage. Now there's another twist to the tale. It concerns two people. Spiro Malaris, a world-class magician and filmmaker, and Keith Bateman, who owned a company that made music and karaoke videos. Now, I've listened to two podcasts, and they're both pretty long. One has an interview with Bateman, the other an interview with Malaris. The following story comes from listening to the two podcasts. I'll have links to them in the show notes. So it was through his music company that Keith Bateman met Ray Santilli. Santilli had just come back from America trying to buy up those Elvis songs, which we had discussed earlier. Santilli claimed that while he was in America, he visited a place called Roswell. And wouldn't it be fantastic if they had some footage of the actual alien crash? So they began talking, and sometime later, in a barn, Keith Bateman and his friends used things like chicken giblets to create a fake alien autopsy with a son of one of Keith's partners playing the alien wearing a mask. It was shot with professional video equipment, in color. The animation department at his company added the scratches and turned it into black and white, eventually transferring it to VHS. A copy of this was sent to Ray Santilli. Santilli saw the footage and called back. He wasn't happy. It was shot in a way to convince the viewers that it was from back in 1947, but this made the details hard to watch. Santilli said it was rubbish and he couldn't use it. To Bateman's surprise, however, the footage ended up on TV. Santilli claimed it wasn't his fault, the footage had been leaked. But after it appeared on TV a second time, Bateman called to complain. After a short conversation, Santilli asked how much money would it cost to make a better one. After some research, Bateman gave Santilli a price, a price that Santilli thought was too high. Now, sometime after this, Spiros Milaris met Santilli and was invited to his office to watch footage of an actual alien autopsy. Santilli told him that the film had been made in 1947, the same story he tells today. When Spiros saw the film, he knew it was obviously a fake. Santilli asked why. Spiros told him for one reason it was filmed on VHS. Santilli said no, it was made on film and transferred to VHS. Spiros disagreed. There was definite signs that it was shot directly onto video. Santilli quickly realized that if he couldn't fool this guy, his video was worthless. 
Spiros, though, was intrigued, so he called an artist friend of his, special effects expert John Humphreys, a man who had created many of the aliens for the original Doctor Who. On the phone, he told him that he had seen this really bad fake film and said that they could do it better with their feet. Humphreys responded by saying, why don't we? So later, Spiros called Santilli and said they could make the film properly. What Spiros wanted to do was make the ultimate illusion to fool the world with the idea that he would have his big ta-da moment when he reveals the truth. That was his motivation, to do something special. But according to Spiros, Santilli's motivation was to make a lot of money. For me, the alien autopsy film was a challenge. Could it be done? Spyro said in a 2018 interview in The Sun. As a magician, I wanted to create the biggest illusion ever performed on the global stage. According to Spyros, he was given a 30,000 pound budget to make the sets, props, and contamination suits. He brought in John Humphreys to make the alien corpse. His girlfriend at the time researched on how to act properly in the film by checking medical books, speaking to surgeons and pathologists. She even played the part of a nurse in the film. In the interview, Spiros goes on to detail how the film was created, why they made some of the decisions they did, like the leg wound that was created to cover up a flaw in the model. Now, like I said, the team filmed the autopsy twice, and Spiros explains in the interview why this was necessary, but the thing is, there was no more money to do a second film, so he funded the project himself. So on the first try, he was the writer, director, producer, editor, set designer, and cameraman. But now on the second film, he was also the executive producer because he was financing it. And while Santilli, he claims, made millions off the film, he never received any money from it. And while he said he never did it for the money, it was more about the challenge, he sure would have liked some of the profits. But back to Bateman, thinking that the footage that he shot for Santilli wasn't going to be used, he was going to let another person have it. Santilli found out about this and burst into Bateman's office. He was furious. He kicked Bateman's desk, possibly breaking his toe. He was mad because he had just sold the whole thing to Fox in America, and some of the footage used was the tent footage. And of course, we all know what happened once the Fox network showed their special. Now, Spiros and Santilli have not talked in years. The thing about that is, Spiros signed a confidentiality agreement to keep quiet until after the film made its money back, something that, for years, Santilli claimed it hadn't, even after the Fox deal. Since Spiros paid for the film to be shot, he insists the copyright should belong to him. The footage of the alien autopsy is available on his YouTube channel, and under it, Spiros writes... Well, I'm saying it here on a public forum. Santilli is lying. If he isn't, then hopefully he will sue me. Then I will have my day in court where a judge can apply logic and evidence and such like to Santilli's fairy stories. Mr. Santilli, if you are reading this, the gauntlet is slapping you across both cheeks. I say it's a fake, and you, sir, are a liar. Your move. In the Sun interview... Spiros said Santilli has contacted me regularly and asked me to meet him to build some bridges. I have constantly refused to see him unless he is now prepared to tell the truth. You are watching the autopsy of what some say is an alien from outer space. Though silent, the 17-minute film is as dramatic as any science fiction thriller to come out of Hollywood. But this may not be a filmmaker's fantasy. This could very well be real. 
the strange body appears intact, except for an ugly wound on the right thigh. Two mysterious doctors wearing contamination suits study its bizarre features. A third person wearing a mask watches from behind the glass partition. Is this indeed a top-secret military autopsy performed on an alien in 1947? Like with any mystery, we need to hear from witnesses, examine the hard evidence, and bring in the experts. Has anybody got a match? Thanks. Now I can light an old goal and listen to The Sad Sack. A little bit before I go. Do you remember back when I did a podcast on crop circles? I found it amazing that even when those involved admitted that it was a hoax and showed how they created the crop circles and why they did it and when they did it, many believers refused to accept their confession. Their theory was that the government, the men in black, whatever, put pressure on them to say that it was a hoax because they don't want it getting out that aliens are really ruining farmers' crops. Well, it's sort of the same thing here. On Spyro Malaris' YouTube channel, in which he admits to making the film, there's a few comments. This is just one of them. You want to prove to everyone it's a fake? Show us the outtakes of the film. Show us the contract that was signed by Santilli. Show us anything that can prove the entire thing is a hoax and that Santilli is lying. Surely you would have some cuts of the film. The floor must have had a lot of film lying on it after you've got done editing. If you can't prove any of this, then I say you are just a group being paid to send out disinformation as this film has everything correct. The phone, the mic, the instruments, everything. The writer of this comment used a lot of capital letters, so we know he was really angry. And there's quite a few comments like that. Anyway, how about the ending credits? You know, you can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. I love getting emails. And you can follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is coffeewithjeff, all one word. And I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. I'd love you to join. Your story ideas are always welcome, and they really help me out. I've used many listeners' ideas. If you want to support the show but you don't have the coin, then just go over to iTunes and leave a review or a few stars. Those really help. And remember, links to all the sources that I used to write today's story can be found at Psycon's Coffee with Jeff page for this episode. I'd like to thank Brecky Tomlinson for having this podcast on the Psycon Network, for my wife of 35 years for being my wife of 35 years, David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo, Kelly Rickard for running and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme, and to all of you who listen to the show every week, thanks so much. And of course, a special shout out to all those that repost us on Facebook and Twitter. You have a special place in my heart. I'll be back in two weeks with something thrilling, exciting, mind-blowing, whatever. See you then. Coffee.
Coffee with Jeff. 